In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always, it's great to be with all of you as we draw closer and closer to Christmas, which is the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as always, we'd like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Also, we call out to Mary in the prayer of the Hail Holy Queen. Mary is our, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's turn to Mary and beg for her prayers that she would um, support us, to pray for us and to pray with us. So draw close to the day in which Mary herself will give birth to the Savior of the world in the town of Bethlehem and hopefully within the depths of our own hearts as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I'd like to invite all of you to pray to our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many very beautiful titles, among which would be the Holy Spirit is the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of our souls. Holy Spirit is also known as our consoler. He's also known as our counselor. Holy Spirit is our sanctifier. We're all called to a life of holiness. Jesus says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Holy Spirit can help us on the highway to holiness. So the Holy Spirit also is our interior master. As St. Paul says, we really don't know how to pray as we ought But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba, 
Abba, which means daddy or father. Let's pray to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O Lady Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. So how true it is, my friends, the family that prays together stays together and a world at prayer is a world at peace. To encourage you all the more, I promise to pray for all of you, most especially in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. My friends, there's no greater prayer in the world than the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So in my Masses today, I have a 12 o'clock Mass at noon, a concelebrated Mass, and a 6 o'clock Mass in the evening. I'd like to pray for all of you and your intentions. First and foremost, I'd like to pray that all of us would be open to the Holy Spirit. So that we would be open to the Holy Spirit. And perhaps this, this can be a prayer that we repeat constantly during the course of this day. And that is, come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. That we will be open to the Holy Spirit. Our sanctification depends on our openness to the Holy Spirit. My second intention will be I'd like to pray for you and your family members. I know at heart for many of you are 
your family members, many of you have your children who, young adults who were brought up and raised as Catholics and for many reasons they've drifted away from the practice of their faith. Let's not give up hope, but let's trust. Let's trust that through prayer and patience and perseverance and the power of the Mass that they would return. So like to place your family and family members on the altar today in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And Finally, let's uh, let's pray to it. Let's pray for, as Ro- Rosemary points out, for peace in our families this season. True, peace in the Ukraine, peace in the world, peace in our hearts. Let's uh, pray. Also, this is very much at heart for me and for you, I believe. Let's pray for those who will be dying today. But especially those who are dying and they're not well prepared. They're dying but they're just, they're not well prepared. That through our prayers they would have recourse to God's mercy. That they would have recourse to God's mercy. So may God bless all of you. So before entering into the readings for today, which would be taken from 1 Samuel, in which Hannah gives thanks, give, Hannah gives thanks to God for the birth of her son Samuel. Then we have the responsorial psalm, which is from 1 Samuel to I, my heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. Then the gospel is an extension of the gospel yesterday, which was the visitation of Mary to her cousin Elizabeth. And today we have in the gospel Mary's Magnificat, Mary's Canticle of Praise, that the church prays every evening in evening prayer. So our readings today are very rich, as always, as we draw close to the birthday of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like to just make a, a brief comment on on the following. Very rarely does this happen. But now and then when I'm aware of a really good movie coming out, I usually go with a couple of friends to see the movie. Recently, I was able to see Chosen. And I was able to see To Kill a Mockingbird. Last night, I was able to see a movie. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. And I'd encourage you if Nearby your your home, there is a, a movie theater 
you might check it out. It's uh, it's called A Wonderful Life, and the actor is Jimmy Stewart. This came out in 1946, but it only became popular in the early 70s. And I just like to, I like to just go through just one one scene and try to apply it to our own lives. Jimmy Stewart is on the brink of despair because his uncle has lost $8,000 and he's going to be thrown in jail. So it's Christmas Eve and he goes to a bridge and he's lost all hope. He's about to throw himself over into the bridge to commit suicide. And there's a man in the water that's drowning and he's crying help. So Jimmy Stewart throws himself in the water to save this man. This man really was an angel whose name was Clarence. And he threw himself in the water so that Jimmy, rather, George Bailey, would, by an act of charity, save this man from drowning. What I'd like to highlight is this. George Bailey says, my life is useless. It would be better if I were never born. The angel whose name is Clarence. What he does is he points out what would have happened what would have happened in this town if he were never to be born? And he goes through a whole list of things. One is that this big Italian family has a home to live in. Another, this open lot of land was developed and everyone was able to get their own home. Then he pointed out that if he were not there, then the city would have been filled with with bad entertainment, with cabaret, lewd dancing, impurity, immorality, drunkenness, unfaithfulness, all these ugly things. And the contrast to good, it's a two standards, was a man named Potter. Potter who dominated the whole, the whole, the whole uh, town by taking advantage of all the, the poor people. He would have dominated, and the town would have been called Pottersville. And he would have never married Mary, who's Donna Reed, and had the four wonderful children. And his brother would have never gone to college, becoming an all-American football player, becoming a pilot in the Second World War, and saving many people. So, what the Garden Angel Clarence does is that he goes through 
just a whole list of silent, hidden accomplishments that were carried out by by him. And I'd like to apply this to our our own lives. Our own lives. And I see this in a certain sense as, as a kind of Ignatian kind of an, an Ignatian dynamic of how often in our lives in lives of others especially when we find ourselves in a state of desolation when we're in the state of desolation my friends you have to be careful it's a time in which there are what are called universal negatives universal negatives means it seems as if everything everything is bad we're in the midst of a dark tunnel. We can't, we can't seem to get out. As was the case with George Bailey, who was about to throw himself off the bridge. Universal negatives. Universal negatives. It's a good idea when we find ourselves in this time of universal negatives to be able to talk it out with someone. Nasus has the rule, when you're going through desolation, profound desolation, find a spiritual director. Find a spiritual director and talk it out with that person. Talk it out with that person. And Call to mind in your lives God's many blessings upon you. Call to mind God's many blessings upon you and give thanks. Render thanks, gratitude, cultivate an attitude of gratitude in your lives. So that's just one theme that I I would just like to lay on your hearts is as George Bailey was going through a profound desolation his guardian angel came to him to console him to save him and also to rewind the film of his life And as Jeff is pointing, a great old Christmas movie. It is. It's a it's a classic. So I'm not a I'm not a good I'm not a good movie critique, but just pulling out an idea really it really impressed me. And I see the Ignatian dynamic in it. Is we're called to in our lives to do a daily examine to rewind the films of our lives to see where God has been present. Where God has been present 
where we have maybe walked away from God and and I would call all of us to be not only to be aware of our good angel within us our good angel at our side rather but also the angel's name was Clarence in the movie by the way but I would also say that we, we are called to be like a guardian angel to people. That was one thing that I gleaned from it is uh, we as priests, we are, there are so many people that come to us sad, depressed, discouraged, having lost, lost all hope, seeing life without real meaning, I think it's a good idea for us to be like the garden angel to point out to the point out to these people the good things in their lives. It is a wonderful life. It is a wonderful life if we're aware of God walking with us, if we're aware of God being present to us. So I thought I'd share that with you. And I feel that every time I'm sharing something on a human level experience, it's often, it often is very very much related to the Word of God and even the Word of God that is, that is given us today. So as I said earlier today, we have first reading which is taken from the Old Testament book of Samuel which Hannah is given a child Samuel and she thanks God for the gift of her son thanks God for the gift of her son She prayed for the gift of a child and God gave her this, this gift. And what he does, she does is she offers, she offers her son in the temple of Shiloh. This was before the building of the temple of Jerusalem. She offers her son Samuel to God and consecrates her son to God. I would just like to apply that to our lives is that we should always see a, the child. The child in the womb is always a gift. The child in the womb is always a gift. And I don't want to tire you, but the biggest moral problem in our country still is is the reality, the reality of abortion. Let's still do all we possibly can to promote life. Hannah gives thanks to God for the child. Yesterday we had the gospel in which Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And the child in her womb leaps for joy. In my homily last night, 
in Spanish. He's talking about the importance of 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 receiving the child as a gift and defending the unborn child. My homily last night was based upon experience that took place about 50 years ago. In New York City, there was a well-known doctor. His name was Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He was known as the king of abortion. He was responsible for close to 80,000 abortions. He set up clinics throughout the metropolitan area of New York. But something happened that changed his life. He was exposed to a pregnant woman and he saw the baby within her womb through an ultrasound. Now this is about 50 years ago and obviously the technology has advanced quite a bit in the past 50 years. But still this ultrasound portrayed very clearly this little baby that was moving up and down in the womb of the of the woman and he was touched by grace. From that moment on he decided that he would never again carry out another abortion. He renounced his profession as as an abortion doctor and decided never again would he do it. And he became one of the most pro-life doctors in the country. Going and giving conferences defending life. Writing very erudite or learned essays on human life. And among the most famous things that Dr. Bernard Nathanson did was that he was responsible for having produced one of the earliest and best movies against abortion and it's called The Silent Scream. It's called The Silent Scream because when a baby is being aborted, one of the techniques instruments is is basically ripping the baby out of the womb of the mother and the baby opens up his mouth and cries out but his cry is silenced within the woman and I'd just like to say this also that Dr. Bernard Nathanson died about 10 years ago he was in his late 80s he was a Jew, but he was converted to Catholicism and by the late Cardinal John O'Connor, he was baptized, made his first communion confirmation in the Cathedral of St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. So it's a very beautiful story, very much related to Hannah that has her baby Samuel and Mary and Elizabeth, who are with child right now, as we draw close to the birthday of Christ. That's really what Christmas is. The birthday of Christ. 
So, there we have it. So let's move into the, the gospel for today. The gospel, the gospel for today, my friends, is still the visitation. Yesterday, I didn't go through the details of what the visitation of Mary would have entailed. Basically, I spoke about the greeting, Mary greeting Elizabeth and the baby in the womb of Elizabeth leaping for joy. I spoke about that. And this being a very strong pro-life passage. But it didn't speak about the, the various details of the visitation of Mary, what Mary would have done, the active service that Mary would have rendered in the visitation to her cousin Elizabeth. What would have been some of those details of Mary's visitation? What would have been some of those details of Mary's visitation? What would have been some of those details? Well, we have Mary greeting Elizabeth and Elizabeth rejoicing and John the Baptist jumping for joy at this encounter. At this encounter. Now, we can go through different different activities that Mary would have carried out. And this is, a, this is worthy of making a contemplation on what actually, what actually would Mary have done to help Elizabeth, this elderly woman who's about to bring forth to her child. Because Mary greets Elizabeth and she has a wonderful conversation with Elizabeth, but... On a human practical level, these would have been some of the activities that Mary would have carried out to help her cousin Elizabeth. And it's important that we try to return 2,000 years to, to get to know the culture and the social mores of the time of in which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ lived and was brought up and his mother Mary. First what we we could even say is the whole idea of fetching water at the well. Now we take we take for granted water. We have faucets, we have baths and showers and running water. People carry today, people carry today 
everyone's carrying water bottles today. That's the modern phenomenon. Everyone's carrying their water bottle wherever they go. People have to be hydrated, right? But back then in homes, you didn't have running water. We know that water is essential for life. And most likely what Mary would have done, and you can see this in the movie of Jonathan Rumi, when, when, when Jonathan Rumi, Jesus, meets the woman at the well, which you can read in John chapter 4. The water at the well. Man, true as Beatrice is pointing out, no water in Ukraine. Let's pray for those people in Ukraine that that they will be provided water in one way or another. That's a good point. So, women would go to the well and they would they would get water from the well. They would probably go at early hours because at midday it could it would become very hot. Very hot. So you can see Mary traveling to the well with a water jug. Mary waiting on line with the other women. Mary practicing patience and humility. Mary greeting the other women there with a smile and listening attentively and exchanging kind words. Then the bucket being dropped down to the well and being drawn out. <coughs> the water being poured into the into the jug that Mary had. And Mary bringing back the jug of water to Elizabeth's house where she lived in Ein Karim. All of this, what I'm telling to you, well, what I'm giving you right now, I'm giving you now some scenes for your own contemplation. So I'm giving you scenes so you can even make a contemplation on the scenes I'm depicting for you right now. And as Beatrice Sanchez says, there's no water in Ukraine, how grateful we should be that we have running water in our homes. We have easy access to them bringing water jugs to our home. But let's also learn the, the importance of sharing and giving. To be more intent as we get close to Christ in giving to others rather than receiving. As St. Paul says, there's more joy in giving than in receiving. We see also in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey is basically giving himself to the people. Giving himself to the people. So you can imagine yourself walking with Mary to the well, waiting in line, maybe helping Mary to carry the water jug back to the home. This is all part of 
making an Ignatian contemplation. So we're carrying out an, an Ignatian contemplation. And then what else would Mary have done? Well, cleaning the house. Cleaning the house. In my studio here I have a lot of statues. Here's a here's a here's a statue of Mary. A lady of the broom. My name is Father Broom. Clean sweep with Father Broom. Clean sweep with Father Broom. And we see Mary with her apron. And what she's doing is she's sweeping. No doubt we can imagine Mary sweeping out the house of St. Elizabeth on a daily basis. Hopefully you like this depiction of Mary working in the house of St. Elizabeth, sweeping the floor. Maybe that can be an indication for us to sweep the sins out of our souls by a good sacramental confession. Clean sweep with Father Broom, right? Clean sweep with Father Broom. I thought you'd like that one. All of these are part of the mystery of the visitation. And the gospel today is Mary's Magnificat, which is part of the, the visitation. Other things that Mary would have carried out we take this for granted also. We take this for granted. But we have clothes, dirty clothes. What do we do? We have a washing machine. We have a dryer. So you throw the, the dirty clothes in the washing machine with the bleach. Then after it's finished, you throw it in the dryer. And then after that, you, you probably will have to iron them down. Washing machine, dryer, iron. None of that existed back 2,000 years ago. So to clean clothes 2,000 years ago, it all had to be done by hand. Dousing the clothes in water. wringing out the clothes. And then there was no dryer either. So how would the clothes dry? You'd have to have a clothesline 
the clothes attached to the clothesline. And then after the clothes was attached to the clothesline, it would have to be dried by the sun. So all these are, are, are details that we sometimes don't, we take for granted because we live in a modern technological world in which everything is basically given to us without too much effort. These technological advancements have, have made it easier, which is not always a good thing because sometimes, well, you have to admit that hard work is good for us. It makes us appreciate things all the more. So Mary would have been involved in cleaning. Here we have the, the sweeping with the broom there. Mary would have been involved in washing, cleaning the clothes. But another thing would be the following. Given that Elizabeth was up in years, expecting the child, the overall task of preparing meals because there at home Elizabeth had her elderly husband, Zechariah, who was mute because he doubted that this would come about. What about the preparation for the meals? Not only did Mary go to the well to get the water, but Mary would also have to provide for the meals. Now that meant the following. Mary would have to go to the go to the the public public market. Now, when you go, all of you, most of you are mother and women, when you go to, to, to get food, you go to the supermarket. Buns, Ralph's, Food for Less. And what you can do is there at the supermarket, you, you, you can buy all the food you need to provide for your meals. But back in the time of Mary, there was not a supermarket. But there would be established small little stands where you'd have to buy the fruit, then the vegetables, then some bread, then some cheese, and maybe some olives. And then special days, there would be meat. Special days, that was a specialty in the time of Christ. So that meant Mary going to these various little stores and buying so that she could prepare the meal for her 
elderly cousin and her husband. So that would have taken time also. Time and effort. And patience. So, once Mary arrives at home with the different foods that she's purchased at the marketplace, she would have, after, after sweeping clean the house and possibly cleaning the clothes, then Mary would dedicate herself to cooking. The whole idea of cooking, preparing meals for Elizabeth and her husband. Maybe a guest or two. Maybe another relative. So you can see Mary there. You can see Mary there in the kitchen. Mary's there in the kitchen working. I honestly believe that Mary there in the kitchen working can be an example for many of you because many of you are mothers and you've got your spouse, you've got your children, some of you have grandchildren. You're called to cook. I've said more than once that if you want me to cook it, if you want me to cook at your house, you want me to cook at your house, I will offer my services to cook at your house only twice a year. That would be Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. You know why I could cook Ash Wednesday, Good Friday? Because those are two days of fasting in which we're called not to eat. So invite me to cook in your home on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and I will generously offer my services to you. The reason being is I'm a lousy cook. I can't cook. But Mary could cook. Now, I don't think that we should underestimate the importance of the domestic task of many women and many mothers, even grandmothers, spending time and energy and goodwill and creativity in the kitchen. In the kitchen carrying out their domestic chores in the kitchen. Honestly, when I was brought up and raised in a big family, my mother would have, would have spent hours in the kitchen cooking for us, having at one time four to five teenagers at the same time, all of us with a good appetite. She's spending good time in the afternoon preparing the meal for us and afterward cleaning up, 
And then my dad once pointed out, my mom was not a gourmet cook. It was not a gourmet cook. But basically cooked healthy food for us. So you can imagine Mary, Mary preparing the meal. Preparing the meal. And your, your work as mothers is very much like Mary. We see Mary sweeping and cleaning and cooking, carrying out all these domestic chores, which millions of mothers are called to carry out. We're all called to become saints, and Mary can be our model. Mary can be our model. In this sense, that our sanctification, our growth in holiness, our becoming the person that God wants us to become, it does not depend upon doing extraordinary things. Quite the contrary. Our sanctification, our growth in holiness depends in large part upon doing the ordinary things, the ordinary things of our daily life with extraordinary love. Ordinary things. I wrote it down for you. Do the ordinary, the ordinary things. Ordinary things of our daily life, carrying it out with extraordinary love. That's, my friends, the secret of holiness. Carrying out the ordinary the ordinary things of our daily life carry them out with extraordinary love. And Lulu has presented, if you even read through my book on the total consecrated Jesus to the through Mary, you can go through all the details that I highlight on the Annunciation and the Visitation. So Mary would cook. She'd cook and prepare the meals for Elizabeth and Zechariah. Don't forget that Elizabeth <coughs> is six months ahead of Mary in her pregnancy. So when Mary arrives at the house of Elizabeth, Elizabeth is in the last trimester of her pregnancy, so she's big with child. And we shouldn't forget also that Elizabeth is is elderly. She's elderly. Now what else? Once Mary has prepared the meal, obviously Mary Mary will will invite Elizabeth and Zechariah to the meal table. 
Even even imagine Mary doing something as simple as setting the table. Setting the table, the, the dishes and the cups and the utensils and the seating arrangement. These small details doing the ordinary doing the ordinary details the ordinary details of one's daily life with extraordinary love that's holiness that's holiness and once Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah are are ready for the mealtime. Imagine them praying before their mealtime. Perhaps if we have skipped that important gesture that our parents or grandparents would always do, that would be to, to bless the meal. Why not go back to the habit of blessing our meal? Thanking God. Not only are there lacking in they're lacking in water in the Ukraine, but definitely there's probably a lack of food sources also in the Ukraine. And we in, we in our country we, we we're going through tough times, but we have enough to eat. So give thanks to God with Mary and Elizabeth. And Zechariah, let's give thanks that we have our daily sustenance. We pray, give us this day our daily bread that we have. We have the essentials of our life. We have food and clothing and shelter. Let's thank God for that. Thank God for that. So you might even imagine this. I'm giving you different scenes so you can do an Ignatian contemplation of Mary and the Visitation. It's imagined there at the table that there are four chairs at the dinner meal at the house of Elizabeth, Zechariah, and Mary in Ein Karin. The fourth chair at the table is for you. You are called You are called to come to share a dinner with the mute Zechariah, with Elizabeth, the elderly woman, expecting her child, and with Mary. Mary, who made the sacrifice to travel 80 kilometers in the hill country to visit her cousin Elizabeth to render her a service. But there's a fourth chair there. And that fourth chair, my friends, it's a vacant chair because that chair is for you. You're called. You're called to sit down at the meal time with this wonderful, wonderful group of people. You can even see Mary serving Elizabeth 
Mary serving Zechariah, and even Mary willing to serve you. What a beautiful, beautiful example this is. And make sure that you end your holy hour by praying the gospel today, which is Mary's Magnificat. This beautiful hymn in which Mary is praising God and thanking God. Mary says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So my friends, we've had a wonderful conversation today. And I'll place you on the altar in the Mass. That God will bless you most abundantly in your family members as we draw close to the birthday of Jesus, the Son of Mary. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.